Hello there, everyone. Welcome to God TV Radio. I'm your primary host, TTOR, and right over there <laughs> is none other than Brett Keane, the originator of God TV Radio. Say hello, Brett. Hello, everyone. Boy, oh boy, that music was rocking, man. I had my lighter up. I was ready for the mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forget his last name, but there's some guy named Jacob on YouTube who does like instrumental heavy rock, you know, metal rock, all kinds of rock basically as instrumentals they let anyone use for anything. Thank God for him. Because <laughs> he does That's good work. Gracious. And for those of you who've been here since the very first second, and I see you in the background, Orion, we'll get to you in a minute. If you were wondering about that 90-second promo of Rhythms of Renewal and wondering what that's all about, that is a New Year's Eve concert that is taking place at my church, Crossfire Healing House. Uh, there's like an 8 p.m. potluck dinner that's beforehand, but at 10 p.m., with tickets only being $10 a pop, there's going to be a concert where... Two bands will be playing. I believe the first band is going to be Leviticus with two S's, which is a rock band that I've never heard of, but they seem pretty good from the promo trailer that I showed you guys. And then Dross Apostles is a rap band that actually came to our church and sang a couple songs during a Sunday service uh, a couple months back. And they're pretty good if you're into rap. So if you're in the Oregon area or you're like Southern Washington, Northern California, maybe you're over in Idaho or a neighboring state and you're thinking to yourself, gee, I'd love to go out of state and attend a rock or rap or both concert. Well, we got a good one coming for you with tickets running at $10 a piece, which considering the quality of the groups, uh, I'd say $10 tickets is a pretty good deal, especially in today's day and age with Bidenomics and inflation. So if you're looking for a good, and this is kind of funny to say it out loud, but if you're looking for a rock slash rap concert that is family friendly and safe to be at, then I would recommend it showing up at Rhythms for Renewal on New Year's Eve night. And I'll actually screen share the place where you can get tickets and I'll make it available in the live chat in case you're interested in attending at any point during the stream. Just got to do that magical thing that they call screen sharing, which you can see right here is the Rhythms of Renewal page where you can actually get the tickets. You just click on that register now button to do it and shows you how to get there. And it'll be a fun time for all. And I'll just go ahead and put the link here in the Rumble chat. And then I'll put it That's in private. $10 to see both bands? Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. A lot of these secular bands out here make people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to see their stuff. And uh, usually it's just, you know, but that actually sounded good. I was headbanging over here, man. I was jamming. I was like, praise Jesus. Yes. <laughs> and I put the link to the page that's on screen, Brett, in the private chat in case you want to share it in the live chats on Twitter and YouTube. Because I'm sure there would be some people in your audience who might be interested. Sounds good. Let me get that up there. Music here. Yo. <laughs> All right. Yeah, 10 bucks, folks. That's, uh, my goodness. That's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think we're hoping to have, like, 
I think we're hoping to have like 60, 70 people show up in in our with our expectations, but more the merrier. <laughs> we definitely have room for a couple hundred at least in our sanctuary. So the more people that show up after purchasing their tickets, the more fun will be had by all, I'm sure. All right. So you said we had some kind of Ryan person and uh, do they look like they're of normal heritage? <laughs> Ryan? Yeah, you said somebody uh, was down below. Oh, the Orion person. Yeah, they, they fled already. <laughs> but I do see Missing Mod in the comments section over on Rumble. Uh, I hope you had a good Christmas, too, and I'm glad you liked the intro. It's good that you're following me on Rumble and interacting with me there because so many people, when their favorite creators go to another site like Rumble or like Odyssey or like Kick or whatever, when they do that, their fans tend to not follow them over to the new platforms. So for someone like Missing Mod, who has appreciated my work in the past, for her to actually come over to Rumble and interact with me through the chat there, it's pretty touching. Yeah. Okay. Well, since you now know about Rhythms for Renewal, all right. Uh, do we know an Orion Grant possum or possum? I don't. That's what I was going to ask you if you uh, did right. what I normally do. I kind of run it like a boot camp. I think, our, I think our stranger danger is necessary. So do we know you, Orion? Brett King, we're the God Worshipping Society of the Taiping, and we're going to fucking kill right, you right now, nigga. Go ahead and uh, get rid of that okay, turd well, burglar. That's why we put that on screen. Stranger danger. <laughs> Well, guess who's not coming back on if he cops back in. When you get an opportunity, TTOR, <laughs> you should uh, do the whole edit frame and then make a bunch of little screens at the bottom under right. your imagery. Yeah. yeah. So I there you go, try. folks. A perfect example of a logical, rational, tolerant, a left liberal atheist, because most atheists are liberals because they like lawlessness. And most Christians, even heretical ones, are better behaved than that. <laughs> I say most, not all, but. I think Brett would agree with me generally. But anyway, so now that we've had that comedy, let's talk about Brett because I'm sure some of you may realize the shirt I'm wearing is just a wee bit different. It's my uh, Evolution is Magic shirt that I got from Brett Keen's uh, online store. And I got to say, Brett, you do good merch. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I mean, Brett's done a lot of shirts over the years, obviously, as a content creator. I mean, most content creators who take their craft seriously, they create merch through something like Spring or whatever. But this shirt in particular, I really like, not just for the design and the color and the catchphrase on the bottom. As a troll shirt, this is great. But this shirt's actually pretty darn comfortable. Because I've bought my own merch because I have a Teespring store before. And some of the shirts that I sell, well... Some of them are really good and comfortable, others not so much, but whichever kind of shirt you put this on, this is the real winner right here, as far as comfort goes. Well, so, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You do a pretty good Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've tried. <laughs> but then again, I've also had years of seeing Elvis videos and impersonators, so maybe you just try after a while. But Brett doesn't just do merch. 
He also doesn't just do videos on YouTube and Rumble and X and other places. He also does books. In fact, I've had this one for quite a while, Afterlife Simulation by Brett Keen, which I did a video on my channel, I think last year it was, promoting the book. And then on the alt tech sites, including Rumble, there's even a, like a 15, 16 minute video where Brett and I actually talk about this book in some detail. But I'm going to read the back of this book. And if you are into like sci-fi, dystopian, little bit of horror stuff, I think you'll like the book after you hear this description. <clears throat> An ancient globalist threat overpowers the weapons and defense systems of the world with the intention of dominating the human race. The military and political scientists create a technological sentient AI abomination in hopes it can defeat the ongoing threat. Will this prove to be a fatal mistake? A mysterious mass murdering killer stalks humans by night. Will an old detective and his reporter daughter be able to uncover the secrets in time and make the connection? A grieving single mother and her introverted teenage daughter find themselves in the middle of a war between man and beast. A priest has dark visions of the world coming to an end with a super virus on the horizon. Is there any hope? Now, that sounds like four or five different stories put together in one book, and it is, but it's not a collection of four or five different stories. It's one massive story where you have four or five different stories all going on at the same time, interacting with each other. And if you give this book a chance, like you actually get it either through Kindle or you actually get a paperback like I did, you actually give this book a chance, I think you will find the ride that you go on to be quite wild and action-packed. It really gives you some insight into the creative abilities of one Brett Keen. And I got to say, uh, with how good this book was, I'm really looking forward to Afterlife Simulation 2. Almost complete. Almost complete. Are you basically just doing final edits, or are you waiting on someone to make you a cover? How's how's that going? Well, the cover and the artwork's all done and everything like that. It's um, I'm trying to decide, do I want to wrap it up uh, in the second book, or do I want to do a continuance? Because I know there's a lot of people, whenever they watch a movie or read a book, they, they want it to be finalized. If a sequel comes later, fine, but they want, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I don't know where I should go. Should I finalize it or uh, just say, look, you have to see the third book coming in order to see the rest? I think it'd probably be good to finalize it. Yeah. And I think you should definitely do a third book if there's a story to be told in the third book. But if you don't see anything past a second book, that's fine too. I mean, it's been done before. Oh, I got a lot of ideas, but I have to be careful, TTR, because my imagination starts running wild. Like this uh, particular story, I'll throw it out there. It's not really a spoiler, but I wanted to introduce elements of time and more concepts of uh, spiritual ideas and arguments and everything like that into it. So, yeah, time travel can get really crazy. Oh, so there's going to be time travel in Afterlife Simulation, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that could be interesting. I mean, you know, some sci-fi stories where they introduce time travel, it gets kind of ridiculous and silly. But other ones do it very well, like the Back to the Future movies. or. Well, it stuff. wouldn't be like that. As you know, the title of the book is Afterlife Simulation. 
So obviously time would be very, very different than a universe that is actually in the contraption of a simulation. You get what I'm saying? Right, right. And that's where time travel could be possible because basically you're just entering a different simulation of the past. Very good. There you go, man. See, great minds think alike, folks. Yeah. I actually have been toying with a somewhat similar concept, not necessarily time travel, but with the superhero book I put out late last year, early this year, I was thinking in the sequel book of introducing uh, spinoffs of the real life metaverse simulations that people were doing, like Gab's trying to do one with Lifeverse. And also there's the Facebook one called Meta. And basically I was thinking of taking those to their logical conclusion and even having a, a secret shadowy organization that basically has their own metaverse that they use as like a prison. So like if you got someone who's a dissident and they're having, you know, Ron Fink or they're just causing you problems in one way or another, basically you throw them into this uh, machine, for lack of a better term, and you put them in a simulation that basically will keep them docile, which in the case of my main character, he's going to be put into a simulation that's actually going to be my fan fictions that i wrote when i was a teenager <laughs> so i i thought of that as a cool way to not only introduce you know simulations and how that can be used against people in a weaponized way but also find a way to incorporate all my old fan fiction stories into my new uh, book universe and i thought oh that'd be a great way to do it <laughs> of course i i have a long way to go before i write that all out but that's kind of what I'm toying around with my own story on that. Well, as I was telling you earlier, before we started the show, I'm uh, really, really considering doing some audio books for people out there that it strains their eyes or they have bad eyesight and all that. And I, uh, I think I got that pretty much covered, but uh, we got ASMR Mark out there. He says, is that a chimp? I guess he's talking about the shirt. <laughs> Put yourself on the big screen. Show it off that way. Oh, fine. I'll show it off. I'll stop advertising your book like a good friend, and I'll just selfishly put myself on the big screen. Well, I'll just show it again. But yep, that is a chimp in a wizard outfit. Your eyes do not deceive you. And it we got to show them the logo. Is magic. There you go. <laughs> yep, evolution is magic, which is absolutely true if you think about it. I mean, if you think about the evolution paradigm of history over billions of years with the big bang occurring at the very beginning and then you know bacteria type organisms forming on rocks near thermal vents under the oceans 3.8 to 4. Point whatever billion years ago sounds like magic to me <laughs> but 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 it's science and it's reality because government agencies and government controlled academic institutions tell us so and the real cool people who are super smart and are big brain they believe whatever the government tells them whatever the establishment tells them about origins and that makes them smart and anyone who dissents well clearly they're little brain they're just a bunch of big doom dooms <laughs> yeah of course we know that's not true at all but but that is something I've always marveled about the atheists and evolutionists, how they portray themselves as cool and edgy and free thinkers while simultaneously 
believing whatever the establishment tells them about anything, which is literally the opposite of what a individual free thinker and edgy person would do. <laughs> I, mean, I just don't know how they pull that off. Yeah, I was listening to our buddy Daniel earlier. He was doing some kind of, it wasn't like a video stream what we're doing, but he's got some kind of audio podcast thing. And he was talking to what appeared to be a non-believer. And he asked the non-believer about where do you think morals and uh, intuition came from? And the guy answered with, well, it was evolution and all that. And I tried to jump in there because I wanted to find out at what point in time did we evolve this elusive intuition? and this ability of futuridity and all this. And uh, fortunately, I couldn't get in there, but I was going to have some fun with them. I'd like to know what kind of variables happen in the environment that makes your brain work that way. Yeah, that would have been interesting to see, but who knows? You may get your chance soon enough. <laughs> so you said you had some clips for us. What do we got? What do we got? Well, what I figured we would do tonight is that we would respond live to an evolutionist YouTuber's creationism or Christian-related video. Hey, do you know anyone named Adam Bigman? Uh, you might have to do the stranger danger thing. All right. Well, for everyone's safety, it's stranger danger time. Now, if this turns out to be the same person, then we might just have to uh, cut off any one we don't actually know from entering the show. All right. Adam, are you a stranger? Adam, you got to turn on your microphone there, fella. Yep, I'm a very dangerous stranger. I don't know. I'm just pledging allegiance to Hitler. Fuck you, niggers. You're going to die. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Rational Logical Atheist. Fuck out of here. All right. Continue on there, Brother TTY. Uh, yeah, but if you're watching this live and you've never encountered this kind of behavior for, before, this is pretty par for the course with atheists and evolutionists that jump onto Brett Keen's shows and really any kind of live show where the Christian does. If they really have it out for you, ooh, ooh, they'll be as hateful as they can because... They think if they do that, then big tech will take down the evil Christian, or in Brett's case, the evil Brett Keen, the boogeyman of the internet. Yeah. Of course, you know, I'm streaming to Rumble, so even if you succeeded in getting his YouTube stream taken down just from that brief interaction, it wouldn't matter because it's going to be on Twitter. It's going to be on my Rumble channel. And then I'm going to make sure it's other places, and Brett will do the same, so... What are you even accomplishing at this point? I mean, that strategy worked great about four, five, six years ago when we didn't really have established alternatives to YouTube. But now that we have established YouTube alternatives like Rumble, which I'm streaming to right now, or like BitChute for a period of time, or Odyssey, or Brighteon for a period of time, or YouTube, Joshu TV, or my own site, Quarter. With all the YouTube alternatives that exist and the ones that do live streaming, it's it's kind of a waste of time to try and get someone's live stream on YouTube taken down. Yeah, I don't really I don't really care much about YouTube anymore anyway. I haven't even been uploading any new content except for connecting the live streams. But I put this stuff on the radio and I put the stuff on my Twitter and I'll most likely end up connecting to Rumble. 
personally, and I said this on our last show, and I've said this quite a few times in the past, I would love to be able to allow atheists to come up here and show their true colors. Just let you go on a straight up whatever it is that's going on in your mind, your liberal, democratic, KKK, you know, rhetoric. Go for it, you know. People need to hear what atheists are actually about. But unfortunately, if YouTube didn't have its little rules, I can't allow that, unfortunately. That, that is the sad reality, because if we were just streaming to Rumble and maybe Twitter, in your case, and they were coming in on the show, I, can, I just ruined my own rhythm. <laughs> Forgot to mute that. But yeah, if, they, if we were just streaming to Rumble and Twitter and maybe a few other places that aren't YouTube and someone like that came in, I would just sit back like this and let, it, let them get it out of their system and be like, do you have fun there? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what's going on in that little monkey brain of yours, you evolved specimen. <laughs> now, now that the disease has left your body, how do you feel? <laughs> Which, of course, I'm sure in their case would queue up another 10-minute rant with Cliff Notes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you had a good dose of hard Christian love. Yeah, some people really do. Some people really do, Mark. Well, by the way, ASMR Mark, uh, if you want to come on to the show, you are more than welcome. Brett put the link to our room in the chat. If I see that it's you, I will definitely let you in. Because I'm pretty sure you won't uh, be like that other guy. <laughs> Quite the fan base, huh? <laughs> and, or the hater base, if you want to look at it that way. So anyway, let's get to the main event, which is reacting to an evolutionist YouTuber video. I got three channels to pick a video from, and we'll see what we see, and then we'll pick the video. So let me go ahead and share the entire browser, I think is what I need to do. Well, I know you're going to show off the videos, but I would hope that you pick the one that is the most passionate and the most charismatic in their uh, exciting rant or whatever they're going to do. I don't know if I can promise that because it's basically a blind review. Like, I literally have not seen whatever we pick. So we got Professor Stick here, and you got this 17-minute video he did called Is Religion Good for Society? That actually seems like it might be a good one to respond to. So we'll make that option one. Option two, we got Vice Rhino's channel. And he always goes off on his deranged tangents against Christians and creationists and you know anything. Why don't we like why don't we uh we'll definitely pick one to actually watch and go on, but the other ones with the titles and stuff, they pretty much give themselves away. Why don't we respond to what we think about the titles and put our little two cents in and then watch a video? So what was that? Uh, does religion benefit society? Is that what it is? Yes. Uh, is religion good for society? Is Professor Stick's video. Well, we can look in any society where Christianity is massive and we can see that uh, in every place it's been, civilizations and empires have been built and they've been built the last. It's until the Christians allow a bunch of, how shall I say, migration or other groups into it where things start going sour and bad in that kind of way. But yeah, Britain, Europe, America, obviously, any 
countries founded by Christianity have uh, done really well for themselves. It's not until they introduce other elements when things start going. Yeah, that is very true indeed. And as far as my off-the-cuff response to the question, is religion good for society? I'd say at this point in history, the obvious answer is yes, because we've had time to observe what happens in societies that are run by and controlled by atheists and agnostics and evolutionists. And it's not good. As a matter of fact, it puts out more dead bodies than all the religious wars and crusades in all of history combined. We saw that plain and clear in the 20th century with Hitler and Stalin and Mao and Paul Pot and all the other dictators that were heavily influenced by if they didn't outright believe in atheism to an extent. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of countries, that's another point. Is atheism beneficial for society? Anytime atheism or godlessness has been offered into politics, that country usually goes to crap. Now, a lot of atheists would probably point in the past, if you were to ask them a couple of years ago, they'd probably say, what about Sweden and all this? Well, Sweden is overrun. They are also one of the highest distributors of child porn. They've got the highest crime rate on alcoholics and drunk driving and domestic abuse and rape. So that's pretty bad. And it's a small country. Yeah, that... uh... That, that doesn't sound like the kind of country I would want to brag about or model mine after, you know what I mean? There you go. Hmm. Oh, I'm looking at these other channels, Brett, and, oh boy, I'm seeing a, a, a Vice Rhino I think we're not going to respond to because his videos are all so terribly long. They're all like 30, 35, 40, 45, 50-minute videos. Apparently that's what he's been into for the past few months so i think we might actually skip him but sir sick has an interesting video that we might respond to called matt pal swears he's not a cult leader that could be fun because sir, oh, right. sir sick is one of those loudmouth atheists that likes to put other people down and talk a lot of smack but then when he actually tries to make any kind of arguments he fails so yeah that could be a fun one to respond to Well, while you're getting that all set up, you know how the game works with the whole cult and cult leader thing. That's like a real popular thing to do to people. Hell, they do it to Trump supporters. If you don't agree with a certain person, then they say you're in a cult because they claim you're brainwashed, you're manipulated, and you're too stupid in your brain to be able to think any other way or have any other views. Even though most Trump supporters will say it's not really about Trump, that's the deal, is it? It's about what he stands for, about making America better. That's the thing that gets us excited. We like the sparkly stuff. (laughs) Yep, I would agree with that, too. And we do live in an age where there are a lot of cults running around there, but they're not like your traditional cults that you hear about or see in documentaries and stuff. The kind of cults we primarily are dealing with today are cults of personality. You don't need property you don't need uh, communes. You don't need like a physical building even for these kind of cults to exist. And they're all over the place. I mean, one of the more modern examples of a cult of personality would be the CEO of Gab, Andrew Torba. I mean, six years ago, he was running around just presenting himself as a 
humble Christian who was just wanting to make a Twitter alternative that was governed by free speech and wasn't censorious like old Twitter was before Elon Musk took over. And then people jumped on board that bandwagon because they thought that's who he really was because that's who he portrayed himself as. But then a few years ago when a few million people had registered on Gab and they were starting to go somewhere, Andrew Torba took that little mask off and revealed himself to be not just a bigot against Jews, but also to be a heretical Christian who literally teaches a different Jesus and a different gospel than the one taught by the Bible, which according to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, makes him under God's curse. <laughs> and he also, you know, wants to copy everything big tech does as far as services, except he would control it all the way instead of... Uh, instead of uh, having multiple people control it. And he even talked about at one point making his own version of the World Economic Forum, which makes me laugh my butt off because <laughs> he, he talks all the time about how satanic and evil the people at the World Economic Forum are when he's trying to grift off people. But then when he thinks no one's paying attention, he will literally, uh, he will literally advocate for creating the, his own version of the World Economic Forum. But it'll be different when he runs it because he's the good guy. You can trust him. That's the same argument that socialists make. Well, all the other socialists failed, but this time we'll get it right. This time, 10 million people won't die in the process. Yeah, this time. So we got a Judas Fly Chow slash zero. He's actually on camera and he's wrapped in an Israeli flag. If you're a real dude, just uh, flash me a thumbs up like that. All right, awesome. Well, I will throw up the stranger danger just out of uh, caution, and we will bring you on. So, Judas Fly Chow, or maybe it's Chai. I can't tell if that's an I or an L. How are you doing? You got to unmute your mic and say, yeah, yeah. Or turn it on, because he's technically unmuted. You there? Yeah. That's rough. Mm -mm -mm. I'm glad you have a camera, but you need a working microphone before I can take down Stranger Danger. Oh, now he's muted. Maybe he's just switching mics. No that right. happens sometimes. Well, at least he hasn't immediately launched into the uh, profane stream. <laughs> like no, give him time. Time. give him time give him time I do like the Israel flag though that he's wearing almost looks like a superhero cape when he wears it well if you don't mind while we're waiting for him to get around to getting something going I wouldn't mind throwing a few questions at you and see what you think what do you think about uh, uh, the you've probably seen recently where I tweeted out I seen that you reposted it where I was asked by an atheist well Oh, we got oh. somebody on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I got. Hi, my name is I Judasly Chai, the base Persian Michelin guy. Uh, I'm a friend of John Gishla, but he's mad at me because I was mean to someone who I thought was a troll on his chat. I, I thought she was a troll, so I was bullying her. I'm sorry, but I was wrong. She was not a troll. I made a mistake. Anyway, I just want to 
greet Brad and introduce this to myself and say that I've been listening to you for a while and I'm a fan. All right. Well, it's nice to meet you. As long as you're uh, you're decent and stuff, everybody's welcome in here. As long as you don't strip or go crazy on us, we're good. That's not going to happen. I'm very professional. Good. Very that good. Very good. good. Uh, let me try switching to something. My, my background's a little messy. It's a little cluttered. Is it okay if I turn off my cam? Sure. All right. Our cars fine. are fine as long as we can hear you. Yeah, maybe in the future I'll, uh, I'm okay with having my cam. It's just a little cluttered up in the background. All right, so you hang out with John Gashilla. Are you uh, in the Judaism or the Noahide? I, I am an observant Jew, and I am a proponent of the Noahide law, but I do not go around preaching my religion to Gentiles who are not interested. If you don't mind real quick, since you, uh, Mr. TTR, just said a moment ago that you were wearing like an Israel shirt, how do you feel about what's going on with the world and the whole Gaza and Israel war thing going on right now? I'm very upset. Well, can you elaborate? It is very upsetting, but I mean, uh, well, Satan is dying. Can we go from a religious point of view? You can go from any point of view you like, Arnold. See, Satan is dying, and he is trying to get as many victories as he can while he still can, because he knows the time is short. So he's saying the beast with wrath. All right. If you don't mind me asking you real quick, so it's obvious you believe in an actual Satan and devil, and you you appear to go with the Old Testament. You also believe in Jesus Christ, and what does he mean to you? Um, Jesus is not part of my tradition. Why is that, if you don't mind me asking? Um, there's uh, I, Maybe after the stream I can email you some stuff. That's But uh, the point is, the main idea is that uh, Jesus, we do not believe that Jesus... Uh, uh, fulfilled the the prophecies of Moses. What prophecies would that be, if you don't mind me asking? Well, actually, it's interesting that you say that because in the five books of Moses, it's not it does not um it does not explicitly talk about the Messiah. There's some poetic verses that the rabbis later on say that interpret that mean this is talking about Messiah. The idea of the Messiah does not become explicit until the later prophets. I believe until like Isaiah, which is technically an early prophet, but in the terms of the timeline, he's, he comes later. He, he came uh, after much, much after King David, as you, as you guys know. So my question, since you brought up the book of Isaiah is if, if you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, then, Who's the suffering servant? Well, the traditional understanding of who the suffering servant is that is spoken of in the book of Isaiah, not that I'm an expert, is that the servant is a reference to the nation of Israel itself. Well, that's all well and good, but it seems to also be a perfect fit for what Jesus went through when he was put on trial and ultimately executed by the Romans after the Jews arrested him. Seems to be a perfect match. Even the part where it talked about how he would be silent before his persecutors, just like Jesus was. So do you believe a suffering servant is not ever going to be an individual person? It's always going to be just symbolic of the nation of Israel? Or do you well, think it there's going to be, be a... It may be a reference to the future Messiah himself, Messiah ben Joseph. Are you familiar with the concept of Messiah ben Joseph in Hebrew, Mashiach ben Yosef? No, I am not familiar with the different Messiah things. Okay, so in, 
traditional Jewish lore, there's actually two messiahs. You guys are familiar with the Vedic messiah, Mashiach ben David, the, the king. He's the, the messiah who is going to descend from King David. And um, he is the primary messiah. And then there's, excuse me, there's messiah, <coughs> Mashiach ben Yosef, who comes from the tribe of Ephraim. And Ephraim was like the, you know, the head, like after, like, you know, they had the, the 10 tribes, like Ephraim was the head of the 10 tribes. So that's the, the there's a Messiah that comes from him. And there's a, there's a belief that it's possible that he's going to die in the end of days before in the final, in the final battle with Aramilis, the, who is like the general of Gagu Magog, I think. But well, this is like... This is going into the writings of Rabbi Isaac Luria, also known as the Arizal and Yeshiva circles. Well, that's not much different from what the New Testament says about end times. There's going to be the Antichrist, who is a false messiah, but he'll portray himself as messiah. And he will be killed and then resurrect a few days later to basically fool everyone into thinking he's the real messiah. And then the real messiah, which according to the New Testament is Jesus, is going to show up after the new world order and the antichrist have had their time on earth to run it he's going to show up and destroy the whole system and establish the new kingdom on earth so technically i don't think you're wrong about there being two messiahs there's just the little problem is that the first one that comes is going to be fake what if i told you there were four messiahs well you can indulge us on that but well the, there's i don't i don't know where this rabbi gets his ideas this is this great rabbi named rabbi mendel kesson and he actually has a youtube channel called torah thinking and he has a website called torahthinking.org and the rabbi kesson is a great rabbi a great orthodox rabbi uh with a big white beard and um he talks about how <coughs> there's a mashiach ben edom and a mashiach ben ishmael there's an edomite messiah and there's an Ishmaelite Messiah, and he has, and on his Torah Thinking channel, if you go on his playlist section, there's a sec, there's a playlist called 21st Century, and there's an ongoing series about uh, current events and the Messiah, and um, and uh, he talks about how Trump could very well be the Edomite Messiah. Well, as much as I like Orange Man. Um... I don't see him as any kind of messiah, false or otherwise. I have seen a lot of people on Twitter who actually uh, seem to be heading towards that way, where they think that he's some kind of uh, messenger or miracle of God in order to be able to change everything. That would be wonderful. I haven't seen any, uh, like I've said before in the past, he seems like he's got a lot of great ideas. I support him, but... I don't know if I really see him as a, a close to even a saintly man. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with that, too. I also mainly just see Trump as someone right now who's being used to make an example out of by the globalists to all of us. Basically, they're trying to throw out due process and set a precedent for we can destroy your life and throw you in jail the rest of your life simply for dissenting from us. And currently in the United States of America, certain states run by Democrats are literally trying to prevent him from appearing on the ballot in the GOP primaries in their states, which is 
absolutely insane because we're talking about the same people who for a few years there when Trump was in office the first time, were talking about how evil orange man was trying to take away the right of people to vote for who they want to vote for, especially the black community. And yet now they're literally trying to do that to all Trump supporters in certain states. And if they get their way around the country and we're supposed to just be cool with that. So just one more hit with our buddy over here. And I do appreciate you coming in. I hope you realize we're not like hating on you or anything. We're just asking you questions, try to get to know you. But the question is, what is it about Jesus that doesn't fit this qualifier? I've heard a lot of Jews say this, but they never really get down to the nitty gritty of what it is about Jesus that he didn't fulfill. Well, one one of the main ones that stick out to me is the belief that the Messiah will usher in a, a universal world peace and eradicate all idolatry and, and blasphemy. And, um, you know, last time I tried, there's a lot of blasphemy in the world and a lot of, you know, so that, that uh, and there's a lot of war in the war world. So that, that prophecy has not been fulfilled, certainly. Well, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament tells us that there's going to be war. That's what humans do. Humans cause each other suffering. 90% of the pain and suffering that humans go through is because of the choices they make. And then on top of it, you've got the last 10%, which is nature and everything that comes from the universe and earth on us. But yeah, uh, did it actually say that when this Messiah came, everything would just be perfect? As though mankind doesn't have free will or the choice to do good or bad. It seems to me, it, it seems to me, think about this. I really believe this that if people followed what Jesus taught, this entire world would be at peace. If we actually, every one of us decided that we wanted to go with what he said, it would be peace. Maimonides, the great rabbi Maimonides, who was a uh, 11th century, I believe, 11th century uh, rabbinic scholar, uh, he wrote a great book called Mishnah Torah that all Jewish people should be familiar with. And in one of the books of this of this long, you know, voluminous work, is that he talks about the, you know the requirements of the Messiah according to the rabbinic tradition. Okay, so you you keep on. Okay, what we're finding here is you keep on telling us that you watched a video or you seen in a book where it said something about how he can't be, but you haven't actually given us like reasons yet. That's what I'm asking for specifics. What is it that Jesus ain't doing? The only well, one so far is well, well, the world should have been at peace. The world would have been at peace if people actually went along with Jesus's teachings. Do you agree? Yeah, but, if you are, if we I all love our neighbor and our enemy, everything be perfect. I do agree with that, but it's also worth noting that in the New Testament, both Jesus himself and the other New Testament writers talk about how before Jesus comes back, there would be certain signs going on in the world that would indicate his forthcoming return. And some of those signs include global wars and famines and all kinds of horrible, awful persecution. And ah, look, your camera works again. And there'd be all kinds of horrible persecution and that basically Christians themselves would be persecuted and it's going to get pretty darn awful in the world before Jesus comes back. So I don't know why or understand why increasing 
chaos or increasing evil in the world, especially in the times we live. I don't know why that would count as evidence that Jesus is not the Messiah when he predicted that that's what's going to happen before he comes back. It actually seems to be the opposite in relation to what Jesus predicted would be the case in the world before. Yes, but is it not true that the Messiah must come from the hot seat of King David? And he does. So is it not true that uh, that Jesus was supposed, you know, according to Christian lore, was born of immaculate conception and he did not have a father? God's his father, but he also had Joseph raising him once he was born. Yeah, but he has to be from the seed of King David. And Joseph is part of that lineage. Yeah, but he wasn't his seed. Except that Jesus is. <laughs> but he was born of my Are you saying that the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, is incapable when he does an immaculate conception with a virgin like he did with Mary? Are you saying he's incapable of giving Jesus Jewish line of David genetics? Because <laughs> <laughs> you say that, you know, Jesus was you know born of a virgin. Technically, Joseph, who was of the line of David, didn't bang Mary to create Jesus. It was God who did it. But yet, it seems to me like it would be a relatively easy task for the God of the Bible, who's all-knowing, all-powerful, and all that stuff. It seems like it would be easy for him to create Jesus well, in a way where he has Davidic line genetics in him. Well, we don't we don't even have to go so far as the supernatural. I, I'm afraid, my friend, you didn't look into the lineage of Mary or you would have known this. Uh, I would suspect a lot of Jews I've talked to, they seem to know this. Mary was also from the house and lineage of David since she descended from David's son, Nathan. The lineage of Joseph and the lineage of Mary match with the same names from Abraham to David. Joseph and Mary were distant cousins. So there you go. You've got your bloodline of David. Well, he wasn't a paternal descendant. Ask me, paternal descendant. They were related and they carried the bloodline of David with them. But it had to be a paternal son, father after father. Why are you putting limits on God? Because then a convert could become a. Well, no, that, that's not. You know, never right, mind. So, where does it say in the Bible? That's not a good argument where, in my where does it say in the Bible that the lineage a, can't come from a woman? <laughs> he says Could he's you, dropping the argument, so I don't know. No, because like as no, because like as like as it comes out of my mouth, then I really like what you. It's like chess; like I have to think like ten moves ahead. Well, that's good. You can think four steps ahead. I'm not ten moves ahead, but I'm just telling you that they are connected, and there is lineage. If they're cousins and they're relatable, and there's nothing in the Bible that somehow if. Uh, I mean, think about that. Think about the logic. If you were to say, well, the baby shared the blood of the mother, well, how many men and women were involved in order to get all the way up through the genealogy of Mary? Think about this. I, there's no rule in the Bible that says that a woman can't carry the lineage. Okay. Especially if you're talking the seed of David or from David's line. That's purely a... Is it okay if I bake? Well, that's what I'm doing over here. That's why my throat sounds so beautiful. 
Nah, it's just uh, it's just kind of weird to see you argue like you do, primarily because as I listen to you talk, aside from appealing to what rabbis say and not the Bible for the most part, you also seem to be placing limits on what God can and cannot do. I mean, if we're talking about Yahweh, he has no limits. He can do a lot of things that are just not natural, that don't contradict anything else about him and how he works, which would you include believe... virgin births. And I don't see anyone else faking a virgin birth in history, do you? Because if the idea is that, well, if because Jesus wasn't uh, born in a certain way, then basically his birth and what the Old Testament prophesies about the Messiah and how he's going to be born, well, it could be faked by somebody else. Well, how many virgin births exactly are there in history? To my knowledge, there's only one. I don't know if many people uh, know this or not, or if uh, uh, people, some people probably won't care because they're not Islamic or believe in anything the Muslims talk about. But even they are convinced that uh, Jesus was a immaculate birth of a virgin. And that's something that Muhammad himself didn't even have. Isn't that interesting? Their own Quran actually says that. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. But then again, when you study Islam, you realize that Muhammad plagiarized not just a lot of Christianity, but other religions and other figures in history, too. To basically oh, try and get people to convert to Islam. So that that's why they say that. They were catering to the Christians in Arabia at the time. I just I've just found it weird because you've got Jews on one side and Muslims on another side. They say, "Now nah, Jesus wasn't all that. He was he was something else or whatever." Or some Jews will argue is just a man who made claims and all this, but it's it's very unusual that they will say that he actually had that immaculate birth, which ladies and gentlemen that's supernatural. Whether you say Allah or the God of the Old Testament or New Testament, that right there is something that has never biologically happened with anybody but Jesus Christ. And even the Muslims hold to that. Isn't that something? Yep, that is something. Especially when Muslims hold to that because they also believe Jesus was just a prophet like Moses who had his teachings and that he's no different than Moses and that Muhammad is basically a successor. That yeah, you, you hear Muslims says. say things like that for sure, TTR, but they also say in the end times, Jesus is the one that will return. Not Muhammad, but Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is bringing apart Armageddon. Yeah, Islam is interesting because they have it flipped around in their end time story. They have Jesus as being the actual Antichrist, and then the Antichrist is the real Messiah, and basically that's, you know, the whole mess that they got going on with their end times theology. We got some people out here who are asking if they can come in. You're more than welcome to come in. This is this is Darwin to Jesus. Well, I already told you you were welcome to come in. Yes, yes. Of course. Yeah. I was uh, I was talking to some uh, some Muslims a while back, and one of the big things they have trouble with is that Trinity. They have trouble with the whole concept of this happening. And I'm saying to them, why is this an issue? And they say, well, because God became a man. How can that actually happen? And I say, well, in the Old Testament, God manifested himself as a, you know, a burning fire and spoke through it. He spoke through many different things. Why is that so difficult? If he can talk through fire, you would think he'd be able to transform matter and become a man, right? 
Yes, and what's even funnier about that, Brett, is that if you actually study Islam, Muslims believe that the Quran itself has two natures. They believe it has a physical nature, which is all the physical Qurans that you see, you know, in the world around us. But then they also believe that the Quran has an eternal nature, that it existed before any physical Qurans were ever written and will continue to exist even if you burn and destroy every last Quran on the planet. So Muslims believe regarding the Quran that you can be both, you know, physical and spiritual, that basically you can have a physical nature and also a spiritual nature at the same time. And right. yet when you apply the same concept to Jesus, like the New Testament does, suddenly Muslims are confused. No, it can't work that way. Even though we believe the exact same thing about our Quran. No, no, no. It's not true about Jesus. He can't both be both God and man, even though we believe similar things about our own Quran. No, no, can't be that. Being it a Muslim is, is hard because you have to believe a lot of contradicting things in order to. So Daniel's it. with us in the room. Daniel, I was just talking earlier about how I was listening to you guys on a stream, and I tried to cut in there. You guys were talking about uh, intuition as well as uh, some of the other abilities. And the guy that you had on the show, he started going in about evolution and all that. And I was curious. What kind of variables in the environment cause people to have the, this ability of instincts and intuition in the first place? And I was wondering kind of a rough estimate. At what point in time in our transition did we uh, inherit this awesome ability? <laughs> hey, Brad, how's it going? Going yeah. pretty good. I, when I talked to TTOR about you, he said that he knew you already. I was like, really? You got yeah. this cool guy and you don't introduce me to him? What's that all about? <laughs> Well, he was you uh, keeping this me all, all along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry I didn't um, give you the mic. I was, I had my argument uh, up, and I was reading from that, and then I came back and I saw that you had requested, and uh, and then I saw that you were leaving, and I was like, oh, uh, my bad. So I apologize for that. Um, it's I'm not good. very good at maintaining a space sometimes, so. How come you don't uh, run something like this? Is it you're not concerned about boobs and wee wees being out on the screen, are you? Like we have to put up with running something like uh, like what you're doing right now? Yeah, like Streamyards. It actually runs through Twitter really nice. Does it? I I'm not very uh, technologically inclined, so I'd have to look into all that. But uh, I'm totally open to it. I mean. Yep. I think I think that wouldn't be a bad idea at all. It would actually be really nice to just be able to do a space with somebody, have a conversation, and then have that go to my YouTube um, where people can listen to it there. Some people have already asked me that I've done spaces with, hey, can you upload that to YouTube? And I'm like, I don't know how. So that would well, actually Daniel, be Daniel, I could give you, me and TTR can give you a rundown in like 10 seconds and you'll be having it already set up. It's so okay. simple. You just go to StreamYards and it'll say connect your accounts. You'll see Twitter on there, YouTube, or whatever you want to connect it to. Now, you can only stream to two different places unless you upgrade the plan. But it's as simple as you click on your little Twitter button that says connect to. It'll ask you what your password is. Boom, you're done. All you have to do now is just simply say start a show. And then it'll ask you, do you want it to go to Twitter, YouTube, or the hundreds Wait, of other places? And then, voila, you're ready to rock and roll there, sir. That's simple. Yeah, the, uh, the that is awesome. Version 
Yeah, the free version of StreamYard is what he's describing. The free version you can stream to like YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, etc. So, like the big tech stuff. But if you wanted to stream to Rumble like I am, you'd have to get the $20 a month membership, which allows you to not only have more guests and other stuff, but you can also uh, stream to custom destinations. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, a- so you're saying that if I want to stream and not pay, would I be able to stream to YouTube and Twitter at the same yes. time? Yes. Yes. But you if I want to throw able- in a third one, then I'd have to pay. Yeah. Okay. Also, also, you can't do custom banners like I'm doing now with on the free one. And remember, remember, even though on the free you only get two things, you can always just simply turn off one of them and choose something else if you'd rather do it like on Rumble one day as opposed to this. So your options are through the roof. But TTR is right. You should upgrade because you get to do like 100 different places. Yep. Yeah, if I ever get on that level, I'm sure I probably will. You know, I I already do Twitter blue check mark or whatever, so... Are you doing the premium uh, membership? Is that that's like the next level above blue check, right? Well, there's uh there's free Twitter, then there's yeah. the basic membership which is $3 yeah. a month, and then there's premium which is $8 a month and then there's premium plus which is 16 a month. I think I'm doing premium, not premium Probably. plus. Okay. I've been thinking about well, actually I'm planning on getting basic next year, which is in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm I'm going to get basic because apparently Brett's proven this. You can stream to Twitter through uh, StreamYard if you get the $3 a month basic membership on a Twitter. Oh, well, I think that you, I think that you could stream whether you have the $3 deal or not for free, just as long as you connect it. It'll do all that same thing and stuff. But I went for the $3 because I wanted to be able to upload massive size videos and also wanted to be able to... I, I can't do this whole 140 limit, you know, whenever I'm right. typing. I'm too clever for that, so I need it bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's really good to actually uh, talk to you, Brett. You know, I see you in the uh, comments and stuff, and um, it's nice to actually uh, get to speak with you and hear your voice and everything. Well, I appreciate that. I I seen you, Leroy, and Not Evolution on there, and I was telling TTR, I said, man, these guys are really cool, and TTR is like, I know, they're all my buddies already. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Slight exaggeration, but I do follow um, all of yeah. them and repost them a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, Not Evolution, that, that guy is on a roll. I don't know if he creates all, all of his own memes or not, but uh, if he does, well, I'm re- that's really impressive. I don't post any memes that I don't make myself, which kind of puts me at a little bit of a handicap, but um, I feel strongly about that. So, I mean, I will retweet like other people's stuff and uh, obviously, uh, and I'll respond sometimes with memes that I didn't make, but I don't post memes that I don't make. So that's kind of my rule. But Daniel, can I ask you something? One of the most exciting things I enjoy hearing from people, and you and I know that you like tweeted a bunch of uh, commentary on this, but is there any way you can tell me what the spark was? I know you were a former atheist, but Mm -hmm. I like hearing about what was it? What was some of the main specific things that caused you to go ah? If you don't mind, yeah, um, of course. The main 
man, there were, there were actually a lot of things. It's like, which one? Um, I mean, first I was a vehement atheist. And, and the first thing that got me kind of questioning things was this conversation with Sam Harris and, um, gosh, what is his name? Uh, Ben Affleck on the Bill Maher show. Um, I don't know if you remember this. I think you sound like you're probably older than I am. I'm 33. I just turned 47, but a lot of folks, they see my gray hair and they say, that's Moses up there on video. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah. So you might remember this because it happened back in 2012, I think, but it was a big deal. Sam Harris was talking about Muslims and I'm listening to this as a passionate atheist. And Sam Harris was saying how we should be less welcoming towards Muslims than we are towards Christians. And uh, that's because Muslims are more conservative and more likely to do violence in the name of their religion and more oppressive towards women. Basically, they are less liberal. And I was quite a liberal at the time. I was like 21 and a vehement atheist. And so I was like, yes, Sam Harris is absolutely right. Uh, Muslims are more conservative and we should be less welcoming towards them and their beliefs than we are to Christians, of, of course. Well, Ben Affleck on the show called Sam Harris a racist and basically slandered him on national television. And I'm like, Islam is not even a race, Ben. Like, what are you talking about? It's a religion. It's a religion. Like, what are you talking about? He said, he said, that's absolutely gross. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Come on, Batman. Don't go there. Yeah. You remember this. Cool. It, It was a big deal. And you know, what, what really threw me for a loop was, that like half the atheist community agreed with Ben Affleck. And I'm like, aren't these people supposed to be enlightened? You know, like, aren't they supposed to have figured out that religion is all myth? And yet they believe they're agreeing with Ben Affleck when he makes such an obvious mistake as calling someone who's being critical of a religion racist, you know, and they're agreeing with him like he's right. And he, he was completely wrong. It's not racist. And everything he said was true. Islam is more conservative, you know. And if we're against Christianity because they're conservative, we should be against Islam even more. You know, so Sam Harris was spitting facts, in, in my view. And if you're a liberal, I, I think you should still agree that he was. And, um, and yet a large section of atheists agreed with him. And it, that, that was kind of the beginning of me starting to wonder where all of this far left stuff was coming from, because once, once that happened, there was a divide in the atheist community. Basically there were the quote unquote true liberals. And then there were the quote unquote, uh, you know, like people who have lost their minds who were basically saying like that women were still oppressed and, and that, you know, they were talking about the wage gap. And I thought that was nonsense. You know, I looked into it and I'm like, you're not, you're not counting for all these different factors that you should be. You're just, when you talk about the wage gap, all you're doing is you're saying there's all this, uh, women have all this money here. Uh, you know, they make this much money every year and men make this much money every year. And therefore women are getting paid less for doing the same work. And that just doesn't follow. Yes. Men make more overall, of course, Uh, but women are having babies, they take more vacation time, you know, whatever. There are a whole bunch of factors you're not taking into account. So this idea that because men 
overall make more every year. Therefore, women are getting paid 30% less for working the exact same job is a complete non sequitur, right? Um, so there was just a lot of stuff like that. Um, also, you know, of course, like uh, the whole identity politics and all that going on that started up and I was totally against that. So I considered myself a true liberal and I was with the atheists that also, uh, you know, consider themselves to be true liberals. And I was wondering, where's all this ridiculous stuff from atheists coming from? Why, why are they embracing feminism? Why are they embracing identity politics, which is just cultural Marxism, although I didn't know it then? You know, where is this stuff coming from? I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to trying to go quickly through this. But well, well Daniel, I, I was going to say that that thing with Islam that you notice with the atheist, yeah. that is actually something that's been going on for a very long time, long before the Sam Harris and Ben Affleck incident on the Bill Maher show. Whenever I was a former atheist, I felt just like you did that it the fair thing to do is to go after all the religions, not just yeah. pick on one single Christianity or its denominations. Yeah. And I had atheists countless times debate me and say, Bro, why do you give Islam trouble for? And I'm like, yeah. because they throw homosexuals off of buildings. They yeah. uh, stone people out in the middle of the street. They yeah. have sex with goats. I mean, I could go yeah. on forever about this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they were like, well, you know, and I said, the only reason why you pick on Christianity is because you were a former Christian and you have a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. But if you are a true skeptic, if you're truly a purely skeptic and this isn't some kind of emotional thing, then you should go after all the religions. Well, That's, honest, honestly, uh, I think I think that what you're saying is true, but I think it's more than that as well, because I think that a uh, big reason why many atheists uh, don't, typically have any care about picking on christians is because christians are nice and then we'll, we're not going to come yep. find you and behead you you know there there's a price to pay for uh going after muslims you know i mean we've seen them make examples out of people in very very serious and permanent ways so I think that there's also this element. I, I, I think that if Christians, and I'm not saying that we should do this, but I'm saying if we were like Muslims, and if you, you said anything about our Savior, you know, we were going to come find you and, uh, and put an end to you. If that was how we behaved, I don't think atheists would be so quick to criticize us. I think that we're an easy target because we're a nice target. You know, you know what you're suggesting in a very polite manner, and I completely agree with you. You're basically saying that the reason why atheists take pop shots at Christians is because they perceive Christians as being weak due to love your enemy, do unto others, and the golden yeah. rules and all that, is where yeah. Muslims will stick a hot pipe up your ass for doing something like that. Am I right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I was aware of that when I was an atheist, and I was trying to be consistent uh, you know, and it sounds like you cared about that as well, but it uh, seems like a lot of atheists don't uh, care about that. But sometimes some do still. And I see them criticizing uh, Muslims. And, you know, I, I still have a respect for that, you know, like at least they're trying to be consistent. So I respect atheists that are are, are that way. 
you know, I, I want to uh, give some credit where credit is due uh, when it comes to that. But um, yeah, and, did, did and, you go ahead? In case, in case the viewing audience at this point is confused as to why Muslims and liberals are like friends in a way, how basically liberals are willing to defend Muslims to the point where someone like Ben Affleck will accuse Sam Harris of being a racist for condemning Islam, the religion. The reason why they do that is because there's a common enemy that both liberals and Muslims have, and it's Christians. Yeah. Once you get Christians out of the way and the liberals and the Muslims are left to themselves, the differences will become apparent and the violence will ensue. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I really do believe that everybody's enemy in the world is Christianity. Um, I think that uh, that is basically the enemy of the world, which is what Christianity says. You know, it says that you're either with the world or you're with me. You know, um, you're with Christ and we are not with the world. You know, and if, um, and if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Jesus, yeah. I seen your private comment that you put forth. If you have any questions or want to participate in the conversation, just jump right in there. I think me and TTR got to the point where we like you. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so a little background about me. My family's from Iran. We're Jewish. Um, and uh, my family is not Orthodox per se, but uh, we're not secular. Like we believe in God. We keep some traditions. But I have one cousin. Oh, second cousin, my uh, my my mom's uh, niece's son, younger than me, somewhat younger than me. Um, he's like in his early twenties. Anyway, he's like he's like I tried to get give I gave him some like like a Bible and um, to read on the Sabbath and such. And he like and like later on, I found out through his mom, not through him directly, but like he's converted to atheism and he's become one of these people who thinks like. No beliefs or there's nothing to like real to believe in and like religions like nothing to believe in i would want to know this is like kind of hard for me to deal with because this is like new to me no one in my family is like this like everyone in my family is like a naive like like airhead who believes in god sorry if that's disrespectful but like that's just how we are and this is like unusual to me well i wouldn't say you're naive for believing in god that's the most rational logical position you can go for as far as uh, it depends on what kind of atheist this person's become. There's some that become narcissistic or arrogant know-it-alls who just make up science right on the clock. And then there's some who are just chilled, minding their own business, just wanting to live their life. What kind of atheist do you take this fellow for or person? Arrogant kind, but I'm not sure, but I think arrogant kind. Uh well, tell them, I mean, you can do like I do, because I got some non-believers in my family, and they're very narcissistic and arrogant. And I tell them whenever they're insulting my belief that God created all things, I say, well, you believe that some rocks smashed together and created snot on a rock, and then out came a fish. So uh, it sounds to me like you've got a hell of a lot more things you believe in than I do. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's multi-steps to their program of origins. <laughs> Yeah, they, atheists do respond to that. I, I know it's kind of cold to say something like that, but you got to present to them. They'll More say hilarious. things like, uh, like I we had an atheist on the show a while back, didn't we? TTO artist said, oh, you guys believe animals talk. And I said, well, you guys believe you are animals. And they said, oh, you believe a guy died and came back. And I said, you believe billions of life forms came out of nothingness. So what's your point? I mean, that's that's how you do it. Just slap it right back on them. 
That's funny. Okay. I've literally made memes about both of those things. <laughs> yep, and that is the winning strategy is to essentially throw their own beliefs back in their face because oftentimes their own beliefs are the very things they claim to be against. But in order to do that, you got to know what atheists believe, and that requires a little bit of study. Well, Daniel's probably figured out by now since he's been having discussions with them and he's been in the camp. A lot of atheists would prefer in a discussion or debate that they be the the executioner and you basically be the person that answers all the questions. If you want to defeat an atheist in a debate, you have to tell them right off the bat, this is going to be a conversation, not just you continuously throwing stuff at me. I also have questions for you and the origin of your views as well. Got to let them know that right off the bat. And you'll notice usually within 10 minutes they rage quit. So, Judas, you got any more questions for me? <laughs> Not the time. Thank you. All right. Fair enough. But you had said in private chat, you said, I have a question for Brad about having a... Oh, I thought you were asking me about that. So you were pointing this out. Just as far as your family goes, just remember this is family. Just show as much love as you can. But... Don't be afraid to be uh, a little goofy back when they get goofy on you. They'll respond to that. Exactly. And I want to make it clear to Judas at this point that I appreciate having you on the show. It's good to see someone who's civil and can actually can talk eloquently about their philosophical worldview differences with us. In light of the earlier guests we had, uh, it's much appreciated. I, I, I hate to do this to you, Daniel, but not only do I want to hear what caused you to be uh, turn uh, convert over into Christianity, but I'd also like to hear what it was that edged you into atheism in the first place, and then get to the spark, if you don't mind, if that's not too much to ask. Before, yeah, no, Dan- before Daniel does that, though, I need to respond to old Charles Taylor here, who said, I mean, Christians do seem to want the want to end the world with an apocalypse classic self-fulfilling problem and it's this kind of out there wazoo claims that atheists make or non-believers make that makes them look very silly there's a big difference between telling people that hey the bible says this is how it's going to end with an apocalypse that god himself has to resolve there's a big difference between that and wanting it to happen because at that point you are kind of a little bit masochistic and you're a little bit too into the violence, the blood, the gore, and the oppression and all that stuff. So there's a big difference between the two. Oh, yeah. Every time I walk down the streets, uh, Christians are screaming like chickens with their head cut off. Into the world, please. No, no, no. Go ahead, Daniel. You know, what do you got for you us? You know what's funny is I've, I've never seen that in real life, even though it's portrayed in movies and stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Daniel's turn. Okay. Uh, so how I became an atheist while well, I was raised Christian by my mother and father, uh, even though they got divorced when I was uh, like 12, but they would make me go to church. My mother, she says that I went to a camp or something when I was like eight years old, a Christian camp and I got baptized. I don't remember that, but I have a terrible memory. So she's probably right. She says I was on fire for God and I don't remember that at all. As far as I remember, I always hated going to church. They were, uh, 
what is it charismatic they're char charismatic and sometimes people would like put their hand up and uh start talking you know in a, uh, in tongues speaking in tongues and then another person would start translating and even when i was a kid i would think to myself what's going on here uh like why does god need to give a message to everybody in one language and then he gives somebody else the ability to interpret them in english why not just give us the message in english and cut out the middleman <laughs> you know um you know I, I had those kinds of thoughts all the time when i was going to church and it just kept continuing and i would ask my mom these types of questions like hey why this why that you know if god is this way then how come that and she never seemed to have good answers. Most of the time, it seemed like she said, well, you just have to believe. And I'm like, uh, well, I mean, there are other religions that aren't necessarily true. Um, you know, like people in India, they have a different religion than us. And what are those kids being told when they have questions? Like, you just have to believe? I mean, am I just supposed to be a Christian because I happen to be born in a place where I was a Christian? And, you know, if I was born in a place where I was a Muslim, then I, I should just believe in Islam. Like, is this the best we can do here? That didn't sit right with me at all. And uh, it's one of the reasons I really encourage parents to teach their children apologetics, Christian apologetics, you know, to know why you believe what you believe. I think it's very important. It's very important to be able to teach your kids that that way when they start getting challenged they actually are able to defend their faith and they they don't start thinking oh do i just believe this because my parents told it to me um but anyway that's kind of a tangent so uh as i was growing up i just had a lot of questions and none of it was getting answered sufficiently um and i just started to think it was all you know uh basically made up uh, the older I got and the more questions didn't get answered. And I think, like I said, my parents got divorced when I was 12. So then I just lived with my mother and my dad wasn't really in the picture after that because he had been unfaithful to my mother. And that's why they got divorced. And my dad wasn't a very good Christian either. Um, he called himself Christian, but he was a total bully. So he, he wasn't really representing Christ to me in any type of good way that I particularly liked you know the love of christ was not in him so that probably had a lot to do with my dislike for christianity as well anyway i guess by the time i was like 15 or 16 i was just completely tired of going to church and one day my mom she drove us to church and i got out of the car and i, I was dreading going in there so much that i got i got out of the car and i looked at my mom and i said listen i'm not going in there I'm not going to church anymore. I'm going to walk home and you cannot make me go in that building. And I was bigger than her. And we both knew it was true. There's no way she was going to be able to make me. And so I walked home and I didn't go to church after that anymore. And that after that day, I really kind of dove into atheism. I started like looking up YouTube videos and stuff like that. So you said like, how did I become an atheist? Well, I mean, I, I kind of always, you know, in my memory, uh, obviously my mom would disagree with me about this and she's probably right, but in my memory, I kind of always didn't believe in God or was always suppressing, you know, the knowledge that God existed. I was always kind of rebellious or uh, questioning, you know, skeptical or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, and I just kind of got more, more that way, the older I got until I was about 15 or 16. And then I really dove into atheism, got super into all the atheists, the four horsemen, you know, I really liked Christopher Hitchens. He was my favorite. And then Sam Harris was probably my second favorite and then Dawkins and then Dennett. I didn't really appreciate that much, which is funny because I'm actually really into philosophy now. Uh, and he was the only one that was actually a philosopher. But anyway, another slight tangent. So that's kind of how I got out of Christianity, so to speak. Um, and then getting back in or, or getting into Christianity, believing in God. Um, I guess the, the, the really big thing that really shook me up was <laughs> I was in a discord call. This was about when I was 25, I think. I was walking my dog at a dog park and I went into a discord call. You guys know what discord is? I take it. Yeah. I used to do discord. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was in politics, uh, that politics discord, if you're familiar with that. Anyway, I went in there and it was like an atheist channel or whatever. Um, and I was an atheist of course. So I went in there to talk and I hadn't really been in there before. But I was just bored walking my dog at the park, so I went in and figured, what the heck. Anyway, I was a new guy in there, and so they wanted to talk to me. And I started talking to them, and they were asking me some funny questions. And it came out that I was a moral realist, even though that wasn't the term I used because I didn't know that term. But I said something about rape being actually wrong, and they said, wait, aren't you calling yourself an atheist? And I said, yeah, of course. And they said, but do you really believe that morality is objective? Like rape is actually wrong? And I said, yes, of course. And they said, you know, you can't really justify that in atheism, right? And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we, we really can't ground objective moral values and duties. It's just subjective. And I'm like, no, that's, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And it's all contextual. What? Rape is contextual. Yeah, it's it's subjective. You know, it's me no likey, right? Um, kind of like bigotry against Jews if you run a Harvard University or run an <laughs> Ivy League school. It's all contextual. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, you you started realizing that atheism leads towards nihilism and yeah. doesn't have moral framework. Well, Go ahead. Well, well, I. I thought that they were just completely wrong. They explained to me Hume's guillotine, which says that you cannot derive an ought from an is. And that didn't make any sense to me at the time, but I wrote it down and I started researching it. And eventually it finally made sense and I understood the problem. And I, I The more I researched it, because I set out to prove them wrong. I was like, no, you guys are wrong. I'm going to go figure out a justification for how we get objective moral values and duties within atheism, without God. You know, because to me, the idea of rape being just something I personally didn't like is absurd. You know, I, I've always known that things like rape and murder are actually wrong, you know, regardless of opinion. And to suggest that they're not is just that's that's more absurd to me than it's su suggesting that I don't have a right arm, you know. Well, um, Daniel, why do you think it is that you were, it's obvious that you were having a, a battle with yourself internally. Why do you think it was that somewhere in deep within you, you knew that these things were wrong, but these people were just kind of, <laughs> you know, at you about this. What, how, how did that 
I mean, what did that feel like going through that? It felt like I was crazy. Um, you know, and it still feels like I'm crazy because I still talk to atheists who act like morality is subjective and like that's not a problem. And it it's one of the few subjects that still bothers me to even talk about because it's so obvious to me and it always has been. And I just don't know how anybody can even look you in the in the face and deny it, you know, that that like hurting a child isn't actually wrong. It's just something that. I prefer that doesn't happen, but it's, there's no truth about whether it's right or wrong. You know, it's just like pizza. You know, I, I like pineapple on my pizza and, and you don't like what nonsense. You know, I've, I've just always thought that that is just the biggest crock of nonsense in the world. Uh, it, it infuriated me when I was an atheist and it still infuriates me uh, that people say this, you know, like it, it's meaningful. You know, and people will say, well, well, it's still meaningful, even if it's opinion. And I'm like, no, it's not. It doesn't mean anything if it's an opinion. That's the nature of opinions. They're meaningless. You know, either something is true or it's not. And if morality is just opinion, then there is no truth about it. Your opinion is just as valid as mine. And that's nonsense. So I kind of found myself in the same conundrum. I would, day and night, I would debate religious people over and over, and I would say, oh, what about this in the Bible, and what about that? And I would use all these emotional, what you call hitching arguments on them. Yeah. And I remember I got into it with this older Christian who who wasn't the typical, you know, washboard type of guy, and he said, so, uh, Brett, you seem like a really nice guy, and you seem to care very much about these issues. Why is any of that wrong, though? And I yeah. said, what are you joking with me, sir? Yeah. Of course it's wrong to do this and that. But why? Why is it wrong? Where at in your moral position of nihilistic atheism does any of this come through? So I'm feeling you, Daniel. I'm feeling <laughs> you. The moral thing tore me up, too. Yeah, yeah. It completely tore me up because I literally studied it and tried to come up with a justification, an argument uh, for how objective moral values could exist, I tried for three to four years as an atheist, just trying and trying, you know, and, and I had a lot of hope at the beginning. And then the more I studied the problem, the, the bigger I understood the chasm to be. And eventually I, I gave up, you know, I gave up because I'm like, it can't be done. I understand what those guys are saying and, and it cannot be done. It You can't bridge it. If there is no God, no universal mind behind everything that is good, then all we have is we're just here on this little planet as subjective beings, and there is no objective odds. There are no objective moral values, you know, like goodness. Like, where would that come from? How are you going to ground that? Get out of here. You're not. You need God for that. So I gave up, and and then that, that put me in a really big conundrum because I'm like, well, if I can't justify objective moral values and duties, and yet I believe that they exist, just like I believe atheism is true, well, you know, what do I do here? You know, like, and, and it made me think, well, if being an atheist means that uh, comes with this consequence that uh, objective moral values and duties don't exist, are there any other consequences of this worldview you know i started to think about it as a worldview because most atheists they don't like to think of it as a worldview but i started to realize like there are actually consequences that come with this belief and um 
I, I started to introspect about what else it would mean if there was no God, what, what else that would uh, uh, indicate. And I started to realize that I was actually being totally inconsistent in my epistemology. Um, and what I mean by that is I realized that, you know, the argument I was make, making for not believing in God was I was saying, well, I haven't seen God. I've never smelt God, never touched God. You show me God, you give me empirical sense data. Uh, evidence that God exists, and I'll believe in God, you know. But until I get actual evidence that I could put my hands on and see for God, then I'm not going to believe in God. Okay, that was the argument, right? I was an empiricist, right? Give me the evidence. Well, then I realized, well, wait a second. I'm making an argument. What am I appealing to? I'm appealing to logic. Well, last time I checked, logic is not made of matter, right? Like, there, I believe in these transcendental like laws of logic, which are not material. Um, and I think that they're actually true. I'm appealing to them as if they exist. So I'm saying there's this thing that exists that is immaterial, right? And universal, like A is A everywhere. And yet uh, I'm calling myself an empiricist. And that doesn't make sense because if I'm really an empiricist, I shouldn't believe that anything uh, exists if I don't have empirical evidence for it, sense data, which would require it to be made of matter, right? So, um, and, and not just logic, but also numbers is another big one. Um, I believed in, you know, like the number seven actually exists, um, you know, and, and that uh, there are mathematical truths. And yet that's also not empirical. You know, there's no such thing as a number two floating somewhere. Uh, that you can hold in your hand. You can hold a symbol of a two, but you can't hold an actual two, right? Um, so that you know, every you know everything that you've mentioned so far. I can, I can kind of get a taste of where you're going with this because if you're going to appeal to logic and mathematical equations and all this, especially when it comes to existence in the universe. You have to remind yourself that all these things can't be comprehended or transcribed without a mind being behind it in order yeah. for it to be coherent. So go ahead. Continue yeah, exactly. On. Yeah, exactly. And and I was calling myself an, a materialist, right? I'm a I, I am a empiricist and a materialist, and yet I'm realizing I believe in things that uh, are not able to be empirically uh, seen and are also not material. Right. So it was at this time I talked, I, I was, I was really struggling because I thought atheism was true. And yet I'm realizing that my justification for my atheism was really actually very hypocritical or seemed to be. And so I went to my friend who was an atheist and he was very philosophically minded, uh, very smart guy. And I, it was at Discord, um, and I, he and I would talk all the time, and we would talk about how stupid Christians were and all that kind of stuff. And I went to him and I said, "Listen, um, I've no, I'm noticing what seems to be a big problem because I'm saying that I need evidence. I'm saying I need empirical evidence for all this stuff. I need it for God, and yet here's all these things I believe that I have no empirical evidence for." And, uh, you know, I believe in logic. I believe in numbers. I believe in love. You know, there's, there's no empirical evidence for any of these things. And, uh, and I said, well, 
have you noticed that there's this problem? Like, how do we solve this? You know, what, what's, what's the answer? What's going on here? And what he said to me, I will never forget <laughs> as long as I live. And people call me a liar. They say he didn't say this, but he did. <laughs> he said, if you keep asking questions like this, you will not be an atheist for very much longer. That's what he said to me. And he was right. <laughs> and I believe you. I believe you. There's uh, quotes by Nietzsche, and there's actually been some non-believers who struggled with this issue. And I've heard them say things like, well, even if I don't believe, I should at least live my life like there is a God. I'm sure you guys have probably yeah. heard that quote before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he told me that. And, and that, you know, when I hear something like that, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm just going to go and start digging even further, you know, like I'm going to get to the bottom of this, you know, thanks for the help, but not really. Cause he didn't really help me. <laughs> you know, he just confused me more. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, now I understand what he meant and he was right, of course, but um, you know, at the time I was very confused and um, I guess, you know, to, to be quick about the story, the, the big thing, the huge thing that really solidified, that atheism cannot be true because I still thought it was true. You know, I really thought it was true or, or so I thought anyway at the time. Um, the big thing that I came into was knowledge, the problem of knowledge, epistemology. Um, and what I realized was that if there is no God, then knowledge is impossible. We can't know anything. Um, and that's because all of our knowledge is based on axioms that we just take for granted their assumptions so one of those axioms might be the idea that our reasoning is sound like how do you know that you can trust your reasoning that it's going to be sound how do you know you're not crazy well you don't know and there's no way to prove that you're not crazy because in order to prove it you'd have to already be reasoning soundly right so you have to appeal to the very thing that's in question in order to justify the, th the thing that's in question. And that's called begging circular the question. Reasoning. Yeah, circular reasoning. Exactly. And there are all kinds of axioms that we just take for granted that are like this. For example, um, uniformity of nature, which is, you know, no another way of putting that is induction, right? That uh, the future will resemble the past. We don't have any evidence of that. We just believe it. And there's no justification for it. If you try to justify it, you're going to beg the question once again. Um, so all of our knowledge or quote unquote knowledge is based on totally unjustified assumptions that we hold. And if what you're calling knowledge is based on an unjustified assumption, well, then it's not knowledge, is it? Because in order for it to be knowledge, it has to be justified. Knowledge is defined as something that is a justified true belief. So if none of our knowledge is justified, then we don't have any knowledge. And none of our none of the things we know can be knowledge because it's all based on unjustified assumptions, which we call axioms. So if there's no God, then all we have is ourselves. We're starting with ourselves. And we're starting with these assumptions, so knowledge becomes impossible. And that creates a contradiction. Um, because in order to say, I know nothing, well, that's actually a knowledge claim itself. 
in, in the same way, if I said that um, none of the statements or everything I've ever said in my whole life is false, if I said that. So all of the statements I've ever, ever said and ever will say are false. That itself, that statement that I just said is a true statement, meaning that it cannot be true that all of my statements are false because the statement itself is self-referential and is a true statement. So all statements of falseness are at the same time statements about truth. You know, if you say X is false, you're actually saying it's true that X is false. And in the same way, when we say I know nothing or I'm ignorant of something, we're actually making a knowledge claim. We're saying, I know that I know nothing. You're, you're saying, I know that there's this thing here that I don't know. So whenever you, you make a statement about what is false, you're also making a statement about a truth. And whenever you make a statement about ignorance, you're also implicitly making a statement about something that you know. And because of that, um, when you say, I know nothing, that's actually a contradiction because Anytime you talk about what you don't know, you're also at the same time talking about something you do know. So we can't know nothing. That's a contradiction. To say I know nothing is a contradiction. And so that means that we must know something. And it also means that if atheism cannot ground or justify knowledge, and it can't, then atheism cannot be true because it leads to the contradiction, I know nothing. So atheism literally cannot be true. If there is no God and we cannot justify any of our beliefs, then we know nothing and, and that's a contradiction. And therefore there must exist at least one God because contradictions are false, right? So any belief that leads to a contradiction is false. Atheism leads to a contradiction. Therefore atheism is false. So that was, um, that basically proved to me that God exists. And, and it's, it's, actually a little bit bigger than that because if if you think about how is it that we can know anything right um Cy Ten talks about this uh, and i agree with him he says that uh Cy Ten Bruggenkate that is says that if you can know something um you know like you know like one percent of all the information in the universe well do you really know that i mean can't the 99% of things that you don't know prove you wrong about the 1% of things that you think you know? And to me, the answer, of course, is yes, it can prove you wrong. Like anything that you don't know could prove you wrong about something you think you know. And if that's true, and I think it is, then what that means is that in order to know any one thing, you have to know everything. Otherwise, you don't really know it um, because you could be wrong about it. And in order to have knowledge, you have it has to be a justified true belief. And if you can be wrong about something, then it's not actually true, is it? Um, so that means that in order for knowledge to be possible, there must be an all-knowing being. Because any being that is not all-knowing can't have any knowledge because they don't know everything and the things they don't know could prove them wrong about what they think they know. So that's one point. Huh? I said that's an excellent point. Oh, you yeah. were you were saying earlier in in uh, what you were uh, sharing. I'd like to hear your opinion as well as TTORs on this. 
Why do you think that whenever you bring up that atheism is a worldview, I've noticed a majority of non-believers I've talked to, they will cry up and down, no, 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 it's not a worldview. Every human being on the planet, whether they're presupposing or not, has a view of the world and life and how they perceive reality. So why would someone be freaked out by the idea that someone would express they have a view of the world? Obviously, well, they do. Isn't the consequences of being an atheist is usually by default, you're going to think everything exists due to natural causes. Yeah. Right. So so I, I want to comment on this really quickly because it's very interesting. I actually have thought about this as well. And do you know what I have started to say that gets completely around the issue but says exactly the same thing? Instead, of, asking, instead of saying... Uh, atheist worldview all you have to say is godless worldview i kid you not i've done it like 30 times have not got pushed back one time i say how do you make sense of this in your godless worldview have not got pushed back one time it's only when you say atheist worldview that you get pushed back so just say godless and you'll skip all that i'm telling you it works every time oh but i like taking them down i like putting a little <laughs> Uh, breadcrumbs out there lead them out in that direction but i hear you i get you yeah i, I mean i don't like to get yeah. bogged down in like oh, atheism is not a worldview i'd rather get to the actual question so i just say godless and you know it means exactly the same thing and uh, i skip all that but anyway go ahead ttr i was just gonna say before i answer the question i just want to point out and acknowledge all the people in the rumble chat I know you guys aren't seeing it because Rumble isn't integrated into StreamYard, so you can't see the comments there. But we've had about five or six different people comment in the Rumble chat, and they've been commenting away quite a bit. And at one point, we had eight, nine live viewers on the Rumble stream as well. So I'm very happy to acknowledge all of you guys on Rumble who think that I don't see you. I do. And it's great to see so much activity on my Rumble stream. But as for why atheists don't like the term atheistic worldview or why they push back so much when you say atheist worldview, but they don't push back at all when they when you say godless worldview is because if you say that they have an atheistic or their worldview is atheism, that means that they have a burden of proof to prove that their worldview is true. And I am telling you, they are allergic to burden of proof like nothing I have ever seen in my entire life. Atheists yep. and evolutionists will go out of their way. They will do literally anything, say anything, to avoid having a burden of proof for their worldview. Little which, is they're always, which is why they're always trying to get uh, Christians and creationists like myself to always be on the defensive and always having to answer questions. And if we attempt to ask any back, well, you're just trying to get around the issue. They hate accountability, especially if that accountability means proving their worldview is true or having the burden of proof for their worldview. And that's why they offer you pushback when you say that they have an atheist worldview or an atheistic worldview or the worldview of atheism. But when you say they have a godless worldview, for some reason, they don't push back. Yeah. Can I expand on that a little bit? I I sure. mean, for the for the most part, I completely agree. The, the vast majority of atheists are what I call little dog atheists, which is where they're lack theists. Uh, they just lack a belief, quote unquote, in God. Mm -hmm. And that's 
certainly true that they do not like to talk about their position. They do not like to talk about their beliefs. They try to stay totally on the offensive at all times. Um, uh, but there are, of course, actual atheists like Graham Oppie who will, I mean, there's no such thing as a real atheist in my view. I think Romans 1 is true. But there are atheists who will take the position that God does not exist and actually justify that and um, argue for it. And I respect those kinds of atheists much, much, much more than atheists that pretend like they just lack a belief in God. And really, they're taking the position of agnosticism and calling it atheism when they really do have a belief. I, I just so um, and also atheism, like little dog atheism is like a fire. I mean, these these people can't justify their beliefs. I mean, fire doesn't create anything. It just destroys. So they don't want to talk about their beliefs because their worldview is just skepticism and it's empty. Uh, there's nothing sub substantive there, just like fire is not substantive. It's just meant to burn things down. So they want to point that fire at your beliefs and burn it to the ground, but they don't want to start trying to account for or justify any of their beliefs because they don't know how. Their, their uh, worldview is purely offensive. Um, I mean, of course, they do have beliefs, but they really don't want to justify anything. They think that their worldview is true by default and they don't need to give any justification so they have no idea how to give justifications they think if they can show why other worldviews are wrong and they can give critiques of other worldviews then theirs is correct by default so i think that's why they're so defensive in general yep i would agree with you too in that regard I mean, that's, that's one of the great. reasons why that's one of the reasons ctr why a lot of these non-believers come in and call me the n-word and say they want to rape my face and all that ttr got to hear two of my fans come in earlier and go <laughs> off on me because when i get into a conversation with atheists i always tell them look i'm more than happy to answer your questions have a conversation but i'm also going to be firing back at you on your position and if you're not willing to do that, then you better move along now. So I, I yeah. don't give them any kind of uh, uh, lack there. And one of the things I like to go at them about is biology and science and all that. I'm a big fan of science. I know for some reason, at some point in time, atheists gathered together in this little atheist cathedral. And they said, oh, religious people don't know nothing about science, even though, you know, 90% of the science community throughout history was put together by religious people. Probably but, more. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's what I find myself in. And, uh, they especially don't like it whenever I ask them. So do you believe that your descendants came from the womb of a baboon that gets them really excited? But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it was a male and a female descendant from from two different wombs at the same time. You know, Daniel, surprisingly, um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you've ran into the same thing. I know TPUR probably has because he's talked to a lot of these folks. But a lot of them don't, for some reason, although they say they believe in evolution, a lot of them I've talked to, they don't realize that they were supposedly something before the primate. They look at the drawings of the, you know, the monkey walking and turning into the guy. But when you start getting into, so you think you come from a fish or snot on a rock or all that, they're like, huh? What you talking yeah. about, Willis? They, they yeah. don't realize that a lot of them don't. 
I know I was that was just happening to me today. Somebody was like, What we don't humans don't come from a fish and, and they were they're like they, they were asking me like I didn't know anything about evolution. You know, they're like, Don't you know anything about evolution? Humans don't come from a fish and I'm like they 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 said humans don't come from a fish. Fish were just one of our ancient ancestors. And I'm <laughs> I was like, uh so you're telling me that our ancestors were fish, but we don't come from fish. Is that what you're telling me? Like, how does that make sense? And you see, exactly. Dan. Yeah. And, and I have found that so many times. And one of the things that also, besides the fish really bothers them, but science claims that the primate actually came from an ancient rat. And I love bringing that up with them. They've even got little cartoons of this thing. It's cute. Looks like Mickey Mouse and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I remember come, that. You come from a rat, do you, sir? And they're like, no, no, I come from a primate. And I said, yeah, but what happened before the primate? What was climbing yeah. the tree before that thing? Oof, they hate it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Very much true. The funny part about all this information you guys have put out there is that you can get most of this on Wikipedia. Brett and I had a live stream in the past where we literally had an atheist in the room who was trying to tell us that we didn't understand abiogenesis, even though we were reading it straight off the Wikipedia page. And yep. then when we actually brought it up, it's like, uh, 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 and then, you know, the, the spinning started. You know what I mean? Well, a lot of non-believers, Daniel, you probably discovered this. I know TTOR has, but they don't realize that abiogenesis is basically the first transformation, the first origin of the process of evolution. It even says it in the very definition. So they'll tell you whenever they're debating, they'll say, well, abiogenesis has nothing to do with evolution. I, I'm like, sir, do you know what a dictionary is? Do you even just five minute Google search? Hell, five seconds and you got it right there. I don't get that. Don't understand I, I it. I, I know it's so weird to me. They act like the two theory, the two things are not related at all. And I'm like, they are completely directly related. You have to have one in order to get the other, because the whole point of evolution, if you're not going to appeal to God and say that God started it, which they don't want to do that because it's supposed to be naturalistic. Well, if it's naturalistic, you have to go from non-life to life. So the only way to do that is with abiogenesis. So abiogenesis is literally the fundamental, fundamental part of the evolutionary theory. If you don't have that, you have nothing. If you cannot start life from non-life, evolution is completely false, period. And full stop. That's it. That's game over. Okay. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. You know, um, and if you yeah. want to say aliens did it, okay, what then they came from non life. So show how that's how that happened. You know, I see your book there. You don't need um, to spam your book, it's fine. You got a but, book as well. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just promoting a book. It's called The Indisputable Truth on Proving the Compelling Evidence for the Existence of God, Divinity of the Torah, and the Purpose of Life. Anyway, well, just thank you. Maybe you can All give right, us a so, uh, one-sentence summary about the book. What's it basically about? Because the title is well, Hold on. TTOR, I sent you the login information for Rumble. I got to warn okay. you, though. My password is kind of really goofy. And the reason why I do that is because I knew nobody would guess it. So right. when you see it, don't go, oh, Brett, you're such a weirdo. It's just, a, it's just to mess people up so I can't be hacked. There you go. Okay. Thank you. 
So since you're trying to advertise the book, instead of just showing it, maybe you could tell us a very brief summary of it. Well, Daniel, before you do that, or not Daniel, but TTR, can you show Daniel the t-shirt real quick? He's wearing my t-shirt uh, right now. Yes, hold on a second. Um, get me on screen. Bam. TTR <laughs> likes to buy my clothes. Look at that. But what? evolution is magic. That's great. I like that. <laughs> evolution is magic. Oh, okay. Evil. Yeah, I got it off of Brett's uh, spring store. Man, that would make a nice meme right there. I like that. <laughs> I, I would great. consider wearing that to like the kosher restaurants. <laughs> I, I, can we still get, is that shirt still available? Yep. That's how is I got it, it. Is on Brett's merch store? Oh, yeah. I got tons of clothes on there and good stuff. Did you show him the book yet? He advertised it earlier. Just oh, hold yeah. it up real quick. There it is. Afterlife Simulation. Yeah. This is a, science, a dystopian science fiction action novel. It's really good. You wrote that? No. Yeah, I've got a few me, books out there, but this yeah. is the yeah. newest one. So you write science fiction? Yeah, but it's got a lot of, uh, how do I put this? It's got a lot of uh, philosophy and spiritual stuff in it as well. It's not some kind of sermon or whatever. I've, it's very action-packed and very science-y and all that. There's, okay. a lot of, there's a lot of plot elements that are all it, It's not on Audible, is it? I'm, I was actually talking to TTR about this earlier. I've got a, I'm going to be doing some audio books with a female voice on it. I have had people say. Oh, you're going with a female voice? Yeah. A lot of people have said, Brett, why don't you use your own voice? And as much as I enjoy my own books, reading off the entire entirety of my novels, oof, goodness gracious, you know, that'd yeah, be rough. It's, yeah. uh, it's a thick read, as you can see. So uh, <laughs> only. Uh, only 462 my, you know, pages. I want to hear in the male voice. My mom was telling me that I should start getting into Audible because she's been listening to some of my YouTube videos. And she's like, you have such a nice voice, Daniel. And uh, I, don't, I don't agree at all. I don't think I have a nice voice. But it's funny that we're talking about this. Um, I, I don't think I would enjoy reading a whole book, but... I don't know. Well, you do got a good voice, and it's not just that. You also are very articulate. I mean, it's one thing having a good tone, but you also sound very articulate, and you express yourself really well. I'm not tooting your horn there. I'm just saying the facts as they, as I see them. Well, I, I really appreciate that. I try it. I don't really know how I come off to other people, so I, I appreciate it, though. So earlier we were talking about how, uh, or at least I brought up, how atheists and evolutionists will tell us that we're lying about things like abiogenesis, even though we're reading them off the Wikipedia pages. Well, one thing that happened this year was that after I started making a concentrated effort at attacking atheists and evolutionists over the issue of abiogenesis, and I kept hammering over and over, hey, here's the Wikipedia page says that abiogenesis is an evolutionary process. Yeah. Sometime after that, some activists actually went into Wikipedia. They went to the abiogenesis page and they actually removed the word evolutionary from the sentence that said that it's an evolutionary process. And if you go there today, it wow. just says that it's a process. That's funny. So yeah, um, if you present to them the Wikipedia information after you 
explain to them how you're not just making it up and that you're getting it straight from Wikipedia, they will actually go and do this, just so you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really... you guys heard what they did to Neil deGrasse Tyson a while back, didn't you? Did you hear about this? No. no. So Neil deGrasse Tyson, whenever people, when he started going out to debate with Richard Dawkins, and I believe uh, Bill Nye went with him. Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember Neil deGrasse Tyson debating Christians. Well, he wasn't debating. He was going out and doing these things where he would talk and Bill Nye would talk. And then Dawkins was going a few times, but him and Dawkins got into it. The reason why is he did this thing on a show called Big Think. Have you ever heard of that on YouTube? Yes, Big... I've heard of Big Think. Yeah. So yeah, Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson, he comes out and he says, the only ist I am is a scientist. He says, I'm not an atheist. So he put that out there. He wanted to make it clear. And he said that he was very angry about... Now, he didn't like yell at the screen. He talked in Neil deGrasse type of way. But what had happened was some atheists kept putting all this stuff up on Wikipedia and other sites saying that he's an atheist. And he didn't want to be associated with atheism. He even said that on the Joe Rogan show. I don't know how many of you watched that. And uh, that angered the atheist community because they wanted so badly to... You know how they want the smart people on their side so they can go, yes. see, we got Neil deGrasse Tyson. But he, yep. he wasn't one of theirs, and they uh, they got aggravated. He's more of, if I had to give him a term, I'd probably go with more like a secular agnostic or something. That's, yeah, I think that's, that's accurate. So go ahead. What do you guys got? You said that you had people typing out their TTOR. Did you want to tell us what they oh, wanted? I, I want to I bring something up. Can I bring something up real quick? Sure. Yep, yep, I want to yep. hear you guys' thoughts on this because to me it's just blue. It's just blowing my mind. I've been. I was talking to my friend, the Kentucky atheist, uh, went into his space a few days ago, and we were talking about evolution a little bit. Um, and I don't know if I want to get into exactly how it all came up, but essentially they were saying that no animal is more evolved than any other animal. At any time, which I think is just completely ridiculous. Uh, How can because... you get that idea from evolution? I mean, there, what constraint does evolution have that makes sure that nothing is more evolved than another thing? Yeah, well, they were saying that, like, every animal is where it is, basically. And it's exactly as fit for survival as it's going to be at its current time. And so no animal is more evolved than any other animal. And I'm like, okay, but are you saying that I literally asked them this? I said, okay, so if we go 10,000 years into the future and we see human beings and somehow they're so evolved that they can fly, they're incredibly, incredibly intelligent so intelligent that they make us seem like ants in comparison you know they can shoot beams out of their eyes they have you know just all kinds of amazing You're things like about some x-men stuff there, yeah. buddy. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> right uh exactly i said i said if we see this in ten thousand years that that's how humans are are you telling me that those humans are no more evolved than we are now and they were like yes those humans are no more evolved than we are now. And I'm like, okay, so that's really, really silly. So are you then telling me that 
the very first life on earth that, you know, like there was no life. And then here's the first life that we all come from, whatever that was. The back, the bacteria on the yeah, rocks yeah. underneath the oceans. Yeah. Yeah. The goo, right. Uh, that life, which had zero mutations before it started mutating and evolving and turning into us, whatever that life right there that has no mutations has not evolved at all. Are we any more evolved than that life? And they said, no. <laughs> and I'm like, really? That doesn't even make sense in the evolutionary worldview. <laughs> yeah. It also, it also is. Uh... They, they acted like I didn't understand evolution. <laughs> they they do I, that though, Daniel. They do. Well, it's also very contradictory to what a lot of atheists claim. But I, I hear what you're saying, Daniel, and I fully agree with you. But it's also contradictory because if you ask uh, atheists why didn't this evolve to the point where it was able to survive, they'll say millions of species died because they didn't adapt properly or evolve into the system or the process yeah. Yeah. the way they do. So if that's the case, then the both the two cannot be true at the same time on that but you're right yeah. it sounds like you're dealing with a did the guy even make it through high school daniel like it wasn't it wasn't one guy he it was uh four atheists and <laughs> and uh, a brain cell between them <laughs> i mean and and this guy i mean i don't want to like be mean to him but he he's been through college you know and he he, he has wow, like a bachelor's in science and yet he doesn't understand it actually he doesn't understand. I literally was trying to explain to him that evolution is a theory, not a fact. And he didn't understand that. And yet he's trying to tell me that I don't understand what science is. And I'm like, dude, theories are not facts. Like you can literally look up what a scientific theory is and it will literally tell you that those are not facts. Well, Daniel, a perfect example you can give a non-believer who can't tell the difference between a scientific theory and what actual fact or reality is, is bring up the universe. The theory was that the universe was, what, 14 to 16 billion years old. Now they're telling us that it's 30 billion years old. Now they're telling us that the theory of the moon was a certain amount. Now it's 11 million more, actually 40 billion more years older than what it is. So it can't be a fact if it's constantly changing. And if science, as they claim, is correcting itself as though it's a microcosm, just figuring itself out without no help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, something could come up tomorrow that upends everything that we think we know. Um, you know, that that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. There's but no isn't such it magical thing. how no matter what new things come to light, the universe and the Earth's age always gets older, never younger. And they throw <laughs> a huge hissy fit if someone even suggests remotely that it might be a million or so years younger than we thought. I predict, I predict in the next couple of years, TTR, hold me to it. In the next two years, the Earth is going to quadruple its age according to science it's going to go from 4.5 billion years old which is popular now to off in the 20s they got to do that in order for that magical evolution to work you know okay. it's and, it's and so if it crazy come to, if it doesn't come to pass i will not do 10 audio narrations of afterlife simulation 2 for my channel <laughs> very good very good <laughs> All right, that's pretty cool. Uh, we got about, if someone has something else to talk about, we have about five to ten minutes left. 
Mm. Well, I, I will say to Daniel, as well as our new friend, Mr. Judas Fly, uh, rough name, by the way, there, guy. Uh, we do tend to do these live shows like every week or two weeks and stuff. You guys are more than welcome to come in. I've uh, given the information over TTR, so we'll be connecting even more streams up. And uh, well, I'll always put the link out there for people to come in. We're going to have to keep doing our stranger danger, though, unless you bring those screens down smaller for visitors. Yeah, I'll work on that. But well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's kind of late. Honestly, my wife's probably going to kill me. Uh, but I should be able to pop in every once in a while. Yeah. I'm, the reason why I have to do my streams as late as I do on Thursdays is because I work during the day, and I work all the way usually until about 6.30. On Thursdays, maybe at 6 if I'm lucky. So, yep. yeah, I basically have just enough time to come home and grab something quick to eat, set up, and go. <laughs> I got something for you, Daniel, since you've been finding yourself arguing with non-believers as of late, it sounds like, with the whole evolution thing. Have you ever uh, brought up to them the in-sync evolution and the compatibility of, like, a sexual reproduction? I brought it up a while ago. Uh, if I understand you correctly, I brought up I mean, I think I did it in a meme and it got pretty, pretty decent traction. I was making the point that uh, it's funny how you, you have to kind of believe that uh, at some point male and female genitalia came into being, you know, somewhat fully functional at the same time, you know, uh, for something. Right. Is that what you're talking about? Well, there's that, and there's also the the idea that since these creatures are constantly changing and allegedly going through all these many transitions, how are they say, staying sexually compatible with each other? I mean, if you had one fish where it suddenly evolved with, you know, it's its parts uh, just totally too enormous, and the female doesn't have the right uh, deal. It, basically compatibility issues you get it i don't want yeah. to get pornographic up in here right yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of huge issues with evolution that are really just completely swept under the rug um they talk about the evidence for it but they do not like to talk about the evidence against it and the problems with it, you know, in the fossil record, um, mm -hmm. for example, which completely, uh, you know, was not what Darwin predicted at all. Um, it's actually yeah. what evolutionists themselves predicted would be the case if creationism was true. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, there's, there's a lot of huge problems with evolution, but if you have any kind of book or anything, I'd, I would love to read it. You know, I, I love, uh, getting ammo uh of this nature to uh to use um you know and filling my head with knowledge about this kind of stuff this is this i have is my passion of, i have a ton of great books on those topics that are creationism related yeah i think you would enjoy so i'm gonna send you some links over twitter here soon okay awesome yeah perfect like people i actually know who've written amazing books on these subjects like it's it'll be a real treat for you yeah, there's this uh, uh, one of the big things that you can come up with all types of arguments with. I guess I'll finish it out with this: is 
you know, whenever you were talking to that guy on your uh, on what you had going on on Twitter, I wanted to come in and ask him at what point in time and what variables cause this. I talked to Aaron Raw a while back. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him, uh, Mr. TTR. You know who Aaron Raw is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I know who he he is. Uh, he asked me, he basically, he knew me whenever I was a former atheist, or at least by watching my videos. And he said, uh, Brett, what is one of the problems? He goes, you used to support the concept of evolution. Why, why is things changed for? And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll accept evolution right now. If you can tell me how evolution created the pain receptors in our body, as well as the nervous system. And he goes, oh, he goes, well, Hey, I'll tell you what, I'll write an essay and get back to you. And I said, oh, you get back to me. Uh, I won't hold my breath on that, but we'll see what happens. So I, that's one of the things I've thrown out there. I still haven't got a good answer on this. How did pain receptors come into existence? If nature can't even feel, it doesn't care if we live or die or if we survive, then where does this come from? Our ability to even be able to feel or have intuition. That's what I was wanting to bring up with that fellow you were talking to. I'd have to look more into that. I've never thought about that, but um, yeah, that's pretty crazy uh, that we would develop. I mean, there's a lot of things that we have that it's like, really just time and chance is responsible for this. It's, it's crazy. Uh, how How did fruit know that we're going to have teeth? (laughs) Well, Daniel, you probably will run into some goofy atheists like I have, and they'll say things like, well, if we couldn't feel, we wouldn't be able to know we've got pain. Yeah, but mm-hmm. nature doesn't know that. Nature right. doesn't care if you get stabbed by a tree branch or another ape clubs you over the head. It doesn't right. care. It's not going to send you a Christmas card. So why does it give a damn what you feel or think about it? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, I mean, TTR. Uh, well, this has been an amazing stream. If I had the energy and time to go another two hours, I probably would, but I don't. <laughs> so we're going to have to cut it off here. But this was a fantastic God TV radio stream. A lot of great discussion, a lot of great conversations. We've got some activity going over on Rumble even, which is unusual for me, even though my Rumble channel is growing. So I definitely hope that we can get Judas back in in a future stream. Definitely would want Daniel back in. And some of the other guys you invited, Brett, before the show that ended up not coming. Hopefully we can get some of them in in the future because these streams be popping when we get stuff like this going on. And I can I recommend something for you, TTR? You probably noticed whenever I was doing the host and I'd usually give people like a week in advance. The video would be sitting up there and it would say it's going to start on this day and time. If you give it a few days, put it up a few days in advance, I guarantee you get a lot more folks. We get a lot of people who watch it later but if we yeah. want to get people during the process, we can't just drop it all on them all of a sudden. Yeah, the problem with Rumble is that it doesn't allow you to schedule a stream more than 48 hours in advance of the time you want to do it at. Well, now you have the ability, because I've given you the login information, you can connect it to all of our YouTube channels and everything, and then at the last minute, throw it to connect it there. Sound good? I- Yeah, one thing I do definitely need to do is make more use of my community section on YouTube to advertise these Rumble alt text streams, because that's something I have not done a good job of utilizing so far. 
Sounds good. Well, I enjoyed all you guys' company. Remember, Mr. Judas, when you come in, you're more than welcome to participate in the conversation and throw your own ideas out there. We like to hear what other people think. Yes, Thank you. we do. Thanks for having me. Especially when we're civil. Good night. All right. Good night. Well, that was pleasant. But to the rest of you who are still here, thanks for watching. And I will see you next week if you're interested on the TTOR show. But as for God TV radio, the next live stream for that will be in two weeks, which will be, uh, let's see, that's January 11th, according to my calendar. So see you next time, guys. Toodles. Toodles.